everybody. Welcome to TRB. It is a Monday. It is February 6th. And we are here to talk to you about The Mandalorian. As yes. the hype grows for this show to return in, let me do the math, 23 days, we are getting The Mandalorian. So three weeks from this Wednesday, Din Djarin and Grogu return. And yes, Thursday, if you noticed, we talked about one of the th- we talked about a lot of things on Thursday, but one of the things we talked about was will Din Djarin die in the Mandalorian? But whether you live or die, and when that happens, that is secondary to your legacy. And we're here to talk today about Din Djarin, aka Mando's legacy. What will it be in when it all when it's all said and done with the Mandalorian? So uh, I'm John. With me as always, James and Lacey. Um, Guys, before we get into everything here, um, I just wanted to say uh, this Thursday we are we are doing the 600th episode of the Resistance broadcast, and um, you know I joined uh, Pat Covey invited me to join to to guest on the show in episode 66. We talked all about Palpatine for like 12 hours, and then the show uh, you know me and James sort of took the show over um, and revamped it into what it has become. And the fact that we're here at episode 600 uh, blows my mind. And Lacey, you've been here uh, for, uh, it's going to be five years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that the three of us are still here doing it is a really special thing because I think people sometimes get really sick of each other, but uh, what makes our show so special is uh, we've had our how- moments. Uh, well, we still do, and uh, as does everybody, as do the characters in Star Wars. But uh, I think what's what's really special about our podcast is that uh, you know how the three of us get on, and it's um, really cool that uh, we're here to celebrate that. And you know, who knows what number we end up at in the end with our our little legacy here? Um, but uh, six hundred is a pretty cool thing. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that as we end the five hundreds and uh, approach our six hundredth episode. Um, the only thing that I think is funny is for the longest time, little peek behind the curtain is that we still thought of them in episodes as weeks. And then two, we didn't think of them as individual episodes. We thought of it as like episode 150A and 150B for the longest time. And then at Mm -hmm. some point we were like, that's just 300. Just stop calling it 150A and 150B. It's just that's very clearly 300 and 301. And we that believe it or not, I think that was like at 500 or like really close to it. That no, we that. it was it was older than that. But yeah, it was maybe a little bit older than that then. But it was fairly recently that we even made that change. Um, it was very a very long time that we were still considering sort of weekly numbered systems and then as a and b which is kind of funny um but i'm glad that we've officially switched over because it's much easier to look at like every single week when john sends over the notes this is episode 599 you know and it's like whoa crazy Mm -hmm. you know it's not a random code or something like that i love that james's reflection on the legacy of this podcast is our numbering (laughs) system for our episode well i gotta save stuff for 600 buddy very right now (laughs) let's talk about the numbering system (laughs) I I personally think about how all of our lives have changed since I started and also like just how our episodes have been kind of set up and how they look like mm-hmm. I just remember recording in a closet with these guys for the first like 
six months or something. It was crazy because that's where like my whole like setup was when we were doing kind of just recordings and not video stuff. And then we switched to video. And One then of your video first episodes, on. you were in a hotel or something. I was. I was yeah. in, at a hotel for an event company I was working for. You were getting a steak dinner delivered to you, I remember. I was. And it was a yeah. delicious steak. You're like, I like steak. I'm like, who is this girl? <laughs> I do. It's my favorite food. Um, but completely away from that, I'm, I'm excited to to talk about 600 episodes that I was here for a good chunk of them. Um, mm -hmm. And just like where we want to see ourselves go next. But besides that, today is my mother's birthday. So happy hey. birthday, Sharon. And happy then birthday. my sister's birthday is tomorrow. So happy birthday. Happy Kelly. birthday. There you happy go. birthday. Yes. Happiest They'll birthday. never hear this because they don't listen. But is it the sister that, that did our uh, Grogu design that got shot down? The one that we still use all the time because it's awesome? Yes. No, but you know what I mean. They, they ripped our hearts out because we loved it. It was too good. It was yeah. too good. Guys, when yeah. you make things that are too good. You get you get struck down. Disney came Disney came hunting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh no, very cool. Um yeah, so five ninety nine, but we got a normal show here. We're gonna get into it. We'll get sappy on Thursday, I'm sure, and, and James will probably start sobbing as he always does. Um yes. but uh before we do that, um <laughs> waterworks. Yeah. The way you're just yeah. like yes. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Uh, before we do that, um, just a reminder of the resist 20 code at Gentle Giant if you want 20% off um, any in stock items. Weirdbrothers.com for the resistance brew. Uh, they will mail that to you. Uh, so get our coffee. And uh, yeah, the YouTube channel. Make sure you are liking the video, sharing this with people, subscribing to the channel. Because um, surprisingly enough, a lot of people think we just vanished and they don't know where All we the went. Time. As far as I, as far as YouTube goes, they don't know. They they still know about the audio but... all the time. Being like, yeah. did you guys? What happened? Did you guys stop doing it? And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. So so go to well, I yeah, I don't want to get into it, but uh, <laughs> YouTube.com/slash at the Resistance Broadcast. Uh, if you're listening on audio and you're like, oh, where the where they go on the video? That's where we are. Um, and also, you know, there's something to think about is that, yeah, we're getting to episode 600, but there's been so many other things that we didn't consider episodes that we've done that we're probably right. well into the 700s of, of stuff that we've done. Mm -hmm. uh, but we want to thank everybody, you know, whether you, whether you just found us this year, um, or, or whatever, um, or you've been with TRB for a long time. Thank you for, for being with us it means a lot this community means a great deal to us it's amazing that we have so many people that you know listen to the show whether you're part of our patreon or you interact with us and we know you by a face and name or you're just a listener and you just like the podcast um we really appreciate um everyone's support and and you checking out our show it means a great deal and tell your friends yes. you know if you have friends or family who like star wars and you like what we do just copy a link whether it's on spotify or apple or youtube or whatever and shoot it over via text or whatever email and let people know like hey check out the star wars podcast because um don't we don't take it for granted word of mouth is a huge way that podcasts grow so please if you don't mind keep spreading the word and telling your friends about us and maybe they'll tell friends and that sort of thing so we appreciate it very very much we have a really cool show today because we are bringing back a segment that we don't do as often as will of the force it feels a little jilted sometimes i think it's sitting on the shelf in the back of the base in the warehouse and it's like when are you gonna break me out today mm -hmm. for 599er to close out the 599ers base malbus we're breaking you mm -hmm. out so james what's our First segment of 599. Well, Baze Malbus, it is one with the force. 
The Force is with me. And I'm one with the Force. Oh, please be an Andor season two. Is that our saddest <laughs> intro for our segment? <laughs> yeah, it is pretty probably. sad. And then even the words disappear. The violin. Like, <laughs> yeah. Michael Giacchino's yeah. like, I'm going to rip your heart out. And that's like our, the intro of our segment where we're like, if you got smashed in the face with a pie. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is pretty exciting. Get excited for Star Wars Celebration. Woo! We're going to talk about it here in the beginning of One with the Force. Uh, the first question this week is, what is one, you get to pick one, cosplay you want to see most at Star Wars Celebration in London this year? Lacey, cosplay, Celebration, go. What is I'm going to say mine, and I'm going to guess what John's is. Oh, all right. Okay. There we go. All right. Mine is Babu Frick because I've never seen someone do that cosplay. And John's is Jack Fish because it's the coolest. Oh, look who doesn't know me at all. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, she, how she knows the, you. That's that's up there. It just how, might not how be is your somebody, big night. How is there somebody small enough to pull off? Also, Babu? Buddy shirt no, today. Big. Oh, yeah. You guys are A buddies. big Babu? Yeah, it's just to scale. Like yeah, it would just be to scale. The big people dress as porgs. Mm, I don't like big porgs. Uh, I like things to scale. Oh, sorry, John's now the person at the door of celebration, being like, "I don't like big porgs. You can't come in here." I, I don't like. How about this? Ready for this? Ready for this? I don't like. I don't like porgs in general. Really. I think. Don't I say. think that uh, <laughs> with Lacey's with Lacey's, if somebody can do Mando outfit and have a tiny Grogu that does things, you should be able to do a Zori and a and a tiny Babu that does Ooh, that would be sick. There, um, now we're, see? Now, now, you're, now you're cooking. That's cool. Yeah. Now you're cooking, um, so mine is invalid. And why is it? No. <laughs> no, mine is... Uh... <laughs> Wait till she's done laughing. There we go. James made a good joke. He said, and why is it Jack Fish? It's not Jack Fish. You wish it was Jack Fish. <laughs> There should be a Jack Fish cosplay, but uh, that's besides the point. Mine for this year, and I hope someone does it, is Boba Fett on the back of a Rancor. I want to see that. Ah, so you do one. the thing where your legs are the Rancor and your upper body's the Boba Fett. I think that'd be really cool to see. And I think people are inventive enough and people are wild enough to do something like that. So that, that'd or... be my, my number one cosplay for this Star Wars celebration to see. There are a bunch of people that do the Rancor, so they would just have to make a mini Boba Fett to go on top of their Rancor. Nice. But I'm saying, like, do you think it would work if they did the half top half of their bodies? They're both they are Boba Fett. Like a penguin jackie. Uh yeah. When people do like the like inflatable costumes that they're, they're riding, riding something. something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that'd be kind of cool. Or like the Frankenstein that's carrying the doctor or whatever. Yeah. Or the alien. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, that that's funny. Um, I was also thinking too, because because we we've had celebrations. My, my real answer is Jack. <laughs> my real answer is Jack. We've had celebrations I'm since Book of Boba Fett, so there probably were people that did the uh, like a Bantha thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. probably already. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. Now this is this is for me. Uh, this is one that's probably been done because it's an older cosplay, but it checks out. Um, I'm gonna go with Grumgar. Uh, from oh. Force Awakens. I don't think I've seen one, but I think that would be awesome That's if somebody just... had a full-on 
like huge body version of it. Uh, we recently got a character in Bad Batch that was from that species. Uh, they kind yeah. of brought that species mm-hmm. back to the show. And uh, it got me thinking about that character. And when the question popped up, I was like, man, I don't think we've seen anybody do like a full on realistic, like almost where you like don't want to get close because you're like, it's very intimidating mm-hmm. the way that character is uh, standing and how much, how well it would be done. Um, yeah. would be really awesome to see that character. Mm-hmm. Be like Siri, show me a Star Wars character that chills harder than Grumgar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can't. You can't. Can't do it. Um, sorry, I can't make. I can't do that right now. Um, all right, moving on to the next one. What is one hope you have for the next Star Wars movie, John? You get to go first on this one. Uh, a new hope that you have for the next Star Wars movie. Adventure. Um, Adventure. Yeah, I want to go on an adventure. I know it sounds very simple, but sounds very I'm, Hobbit. Yeah, I mean, it sounds very Star Wars, but <laughs> it's you know, Indiana Jones, Star Wars. It is all about that sort of adventure, and whether it's coming of age or you know, finding something about yourself or found family or whatever. Uh, that 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 vehicle of an adventure is really key for Star Wars, and I think uh, it's always well done when they do it. So I want to see an adventure in star wars mm-hmm. a journey um for me i am going to do this just because of what we talked about last thursday uh for visions i'm gonna say romance Ooh. i yeah i did i i think i stole Lacey's probably the way she's saying that no no okay well that's good oh i did steal it i don't know she's right there she could talk but she's not doing it um <laughs> no i i I think that it has been lacking because as much as people want to put romance on certain characters, I just don't think it either landed or was the purpose of those relationships. Um, and it is, it's kind of missing. It was in the pre it was in the originals. It was in the prequels kind of missing from the sequels. And it also sort of didn't really hit in rogue one or solo either, even though they oh. tried in solo right I didn't solo but i mean i do but i do, but the fact that they don't end up together and it's it's not a good ending to that you know what i mean hmm. but but i but i know what you mean um but i'm but not because the, but james to be can i say to be fair because they didn't end up together han got to end up with leia so that's true that is true um lacy is yours romance too did i steal yours you did. It's okay, though. Yeah. Uh, and the reason I wasn't talking is because the joy of podcasting is every once in a while something will happen in your house and you have to act like nothing's <laughs> happening. And so my cat's in here and he's deciding to attack my other cat and it's turning into a battle, but I'm like trying to be quiet. <laughs> so I have myself on mute while James is like, Lucy's not talking to me. And I'm I was like, here, I don't like... know why she's not talking. She's right here, but she's not talking. So I'll move on. <laughs> anyway, uh, see, yep. It's happening. Uh, so I'm going to quickly go and say uh, romance, of course, because they never have enough. And movies like Rebel Moon have already started leading with romance in their trailers and teasers and stuff. It's what Disney and Star Wars specifically are missing out on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so adventure and romance. Let's get it. We're all excited. Um, another question we got here is what character from a non Star Wars movie or TV franchise would fit perfectly if they were just dropped right into Star Wars. Um, Lacey, I know your cats are going crazy, but I'm bouncing right back at you on this one. 
What are your thoughts? <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> the question is, if a not a character from a non-Star Wars movie or franchise popping into Star Wars, what's your one pick? Oh my gosh, non-character. I'm like totally thrown off and blanking. Uh, do you want, non- you want me to John? Go to John you first. You want a second? John, what's your yeah. one character? Um, I mean, I... I wanted to say like Jack Burton, Kurt Russell's character from Big Trouble in Little China, right, just because right. I feel like he. Because I, I always wanted to Kurt Russell in Star Wars, um, but I'm gonna say Hagrid from Harry Potter. I think really, yeah, I, I feel like he would fit sort of right in with the aesthetic of Star Wars. He's like silly, but he's got that heart to him, and he could be like someone like you know kids rely on for help. And I think Hagrid would like if you plucked him right out and dunked him in there he would fit right in. You wouldn't be like, that's weird. You'd be like, Oh, okay. I can see this guy in this galaxy. Uh-huh. So I'm going with Hagrid. So I, uh, I took it in a little bit of a different direction, obviously still doing the same thing, but yeah, that pick is, is interesting. I went with my first thought was not the character, but the franchise. When you say crossover with star Wars, my brain always goes to Tron. And so my pick is going to be Sam Flynn. Um, who I am still waiting to see what they want to do with that character. Hopefully Tron three happens. They're talking about bringing in um, Jared Leto for that one. But, uh, but hopefully I would hope that they continue on with that character. Is that the Jeff Uh, Bridges character? No, that's Kevin Flynn. Sam Flynn is his son. Who's the more main character. How many years has it been? 600 episodes. John has not watched Tron legacy. (laughs) Still not yet. I haven't seen Tron. We have told yeah. him how Tron Legacy is like the best soundtrack of all time. Like literally, thing, you guys keep talking about the soundtrack, which makes me think the movie's not no, that good. The movie's no, no, good. No, 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 no. There's one other thing that makes me surprised John hasn't seen Tron Legacy yet, and that's the fact that he loves Top Gun Maverick, which was directed by the same person by this who guy. Did Tron's, yeah. Tron Legacy, and when it was announced that shunned the at the Oscars was this done, year. it was like the director of Pirates Six, and I'm like. You should have moved earlier and got the guy who's capable of doing movies like Top Gun Maverick, right? He, you could have had him earlier. He could have right. been doing your Tron movies, but you, you, you've sat on it now. He's doing other things. He's too big for it to come back to Tron now. And it's like, now you're ending up with people who are doing like the sixth something and the, the fourth, hmm. I don't know, whatever other franchise it was. Like, <laughs> I, I'm just like, the, uh, all right, you know, that's fine, whatever. Well, I hope it's good. But Sam, for me, is a character who's, um, he doesn't have anything that's like super uh, standout as a character. He's a little bit of a clean slate. Um, but I think that that was what was neat about him is he was dropped into that world and immediately like adapted to it, understood it. So I think you take him out and you say, yeah, you're a rebel now and this is the way it's going to go and you got to fight off these people. He would not only be willing to do it, but he would um, accept it and excel at it. So I say Sam Flynn uh, from Tron. Wait a minute. Hold on, because I got to push back on this because you're like, oh, you haven't seen Tron Legacy yet. I just looked it up. It's rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 6.8 on IMDb, which is nothing to like, you know, wave your banner at. So it's if you remove the soundtrack... Is this a, a a crap movie that you're trying to get me to watch? It's fine. It's a fine John. movie. John. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. But like, we've been and you guys are always like, how many times have we said you got to watch Tron? And then I'm going to watch it. And you guys are going to be disappointed if I don't like it. It's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. No, no one cares. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, to be honest with you, it's kind of like a right, uh, everybody a cult classic. <laughs> like if you like Tron, you probably did like Legacy. You're you're in that like world. Um, I'm a Jeff Bridges. Fan. I don't think it was. I think the point was to try to reboot boot the franchise, and I think it just didn't sit super well with fans. But mm. I don't get that at all. I think it's. I think the story and everything. It was so well done, in my opinion. I don't know what they could have done better. Mm-hmm. Especially Jeff Bridges, like he was amazing. Uh, I love him, and he's like he's basically a Jedi in that movie. So it's like right. I don't understand why Star Wars fans don't cross over and go. Yes, I get it, hundred percent. All that it makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, another one. Oh no, Lacey, yours. Yeah, I would pick uh, Ludo from the Labyrinth. He's a big hairy guy, kind of oh. like Chewbacca. Calls rocks, which right. is like the whole Jedi thing, making rocks float. Well, he cro- calls rocks to him. Hmm. So uh, I, like I would that. pick Ludo. And it I goes feel... into the whole creature thing, which I feel like Star Wars has been lacking on. Yeah, I feel like if you did uh, a movie where Sam's your main character and he's being guided by Hagrid and they run into characters like Ludo, it's like, yeah, it does kind of feel I'm like in. a Star Wars movie. I'd be into that. That's cool. Sounds like a great movie. I'm in. Um, all right, we got another question here before we get into our next section. Um, but this one's a little bit of a throwback to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show for the 600th episode. Thursday is the 600th episode. So uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about do a one with the force. What is your personal favorite memory or moment from being part of the podcast? Um, Lacey, we're back at you on this one because we flip-flopped on the last oh there's too (laughs) there's too many um i always go back to the one time i like literally couldn't talk on the podcast because you guys are just so funny as in the people that listen to the podcast (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it was when i forget who it was i'm blanking right now but the person that wrote that porgs (laughs) broadway story Mm-hmm. Like the porg that went to Broadway and then went off Broadway and transmissions. Yeah. Yeah. Resistance transmissions. That was crazy. But like interview wise, probably Eunice Huthart. I don't think I've laughed harder than Eunice's episode. Like just hearing from someone that's on set that has such a passion for what she does is just so inspiring. And anytime I get to talk to anybody that's really passionate about things, Whatever it is, like it could be like, I'm really passionate about taking out the trash. I'd be like, okay, let's talk about it because I want to hear. <laughs> I just like really feed off that energy. And she's someone that just comes at you with so much energy of just like, she was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Loving what she does, loving who she does it with. And she's someone that would like be on your team for the rest of your life. Like, I just love that. Yeah. Try to drink beers with her at, during celebration. We should be like, hey, are you around? (laughs) Seriously, are you are you coming to this? She may be at at the corner of a pub. Just walk in. Yeah, yeah. Um, John, what's your or what is a a favorite memory of yours? Yeah, it's always tough to say. Like this is the one. So I'll say a favorite. Mm -hmm. um, Probably the after our first um, live show and celebration 2019 because we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know if we were going to get 15 people in the room or, or. you know, any, we didn't know what was going to happen. And the room got filled out. People were doing TRB chants. And then we get a standing ovation at the end. And I remember just hugging people at the end because it was just like this giant relief that we did it. And I know we were like a little nervous about it going in and we had the technical stuff and then going to the bar after like that whole, that period of ending that show and knowing that all the things we worked hard for went off well, and then embracing each other after and then going to the bar and celebrating with everybody um 
was just such an awesome, awesome moment. And I remember it and I know it was because I remember it like it had just happened. Um, and there's a lot of cool things that have happened since then that I don't remember that way. So that thing, for some reason, just sticks with me, which, you know, that that, that something means a lot. So that mm-hmm. whole thing. And I think fortified by the fact that we did not know what to expect for that thing. And, it, you know, hearing from Mark Newbold, like, you know, you were one of two podcasts that completely filled the room and standing ovation and stuff. And just like, I don't know. And I'm not saying we expect that now or anything like that. I don't know what to expect in London, but that moment, nothing, man, that was amazing. Yeah. Mine, mine is, um, it's sort of similar to that. I, I often talk about one of my favorite things about being part of the podcast was being able to be in galaxy's edge and kind of sit there and just like relax and kind of look around and live in the world of star Wars, where usually if you're on vacation, you don't get a chance to live. Cause I don't, um, I don't live around that park so being able to go there and not have like a schedule and just kind of be able to sit there and enjoy it um was uh was a different experience but the one i'm actually going to pick though is um our our event that we did at that celebration um which we scheduled and stuff because there it was i mean it's one thing to oh anaheim you're saying that yeah yes yeah. yeah It's one thing to like, you know, we're talking about the the panel that we're we we did before and, and we're getting ready to do. It's like we submitted something and they said, yeah, you can use our stage and stuff. But man, you guys don't even know, like listeners, you don't even know like how much went into like we needed a stage. We needed a venue. We needed a PA. We needed chairs. We needed uh, we needed to think about what it was going to be like when people got there. So they needed drinks. They needed access to food. They need it was like we were building a house or something. And just to be standing uh, like sitting on that stage and just looking out at every aspect of it, like people showed up, they're excited. They got all their gifts. They're in the chairs that we organized. The, there's um, people that we uh, have known, like uh, for instance, Clayton Sandell, one example, but like there's a person, you know, there's people out there that we've been um, friends with in the industry and stuff. Um, even the guy like running the sound, the PA that, you know, we're standing on the stage, the, the stools were, were specifically chosen these stools, like every aspect of it was something that we worked really, really, really hard on. And it was all right now. All of it was right now in this moment. Um, I mean, there was a live stream and cameras recording, multiple cameras recording everything. It just all went into that one moment. So, um, that that's it right there. Yeah, nice. and then the, the photo backdrop and everyone. Oh, like, that yeah, I was thinking and... that while while you were talking too to to set it. Yeah, I forgot about that. We did that whole. I didn't forget about it, but I forgot to mention it was my when it was my turn. Yeah, that huge photo backdrop with the logo and everything, and, and also like oh. we say this a lot, but we always try to make this make sure this podcast is family friendly. We had kids from ages six to seventy <laughs> at that show, and that's really cool. Really cool. Less than six, we right even oh we had that little girl was like two or three right or whatever yeah Yeah. she was really young i was thinking of charlie he was like six or seven i think but guys um yeah that's it for me and that's gonna wrap up one with the force uh we are gonna head into our next section though lacy um introduced this and uh uh, i think i actually think our our pod racer was there that night so i'm very excited because i got a photo with double sunglasses on this character uh Mm -hmm. what's our 
It's time for the Patreon pod race. All right, guys, there are lots of ways you can support us. You can like this video, comment, subscribe on YouTube, please. Even if you don't watch us on YouTube, just give us a subscribe. It really means a lot. <laughs> you can follow us on all, all the different social channels at TRB Podcast, including uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok now. Um, but if you want more than that and you want to support what we're doing here, all the things that we were just talking about, you can head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Starting at just $5 a month, that's it. Five, five bucks, you get to be a part of the community. You get to be part of the show, including submitting for uh, Will of the Force and polls. And you get to go to live streams with us that are separate from the public ones. Um, and as you go up in the tiers, you get more perks like Discord server access and much, much more. This is the part of the show that we let our generals and spice runners take part we ask them a question they give us their answer we talk about it a little bit and just have a good time um, but i want to thank those people first so thank you to our generals carmelo john Reese, jetta rosewater frank grande darth hurricane nick kratz christian morales brian smith matt chitty danny Mike mori matt heath uh brendan mclaughlin count pepto sneaky zebra paul sullivan aaron ellington and diana thank you guys so much yes. and then Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gelma, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Thomas Hennessy, uh, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, and Michael Fry. Thank you guys so much as well. Thank you. You are pod racer this week. It is our buddy Kendall who has the coolest Star Wars jeans I've ever seen. Side note. Mm -hmm. um, and his question was, if you can go back in time and be on set for any of the Star Wars scenes ever filmed, what scene would you want to experience, experience being made? So, Kendall, take it away. So, my idea for a set to visit, I think, would be the giant space slug in the asteroid in Empire Strikes Back. And I think it would be a great choice because it would be a kind of simple set, but it would be pretty cool and atmospheric with the mist and the wet ground and uh, the Millennium Falcon. But then it would just be the actors, and you get to see them playing off each other without being distracted by a bunch of other stuff. And they might even let me take a Minoc and fly it around above them uh, while they're practicing their scenes and things. So I just think that would be really interesting. And that was my choice. Awesome job, Kendall. I love your set. You, you shot wow. it in Disneyland. I love your hat. I'm glad you finally, people are getting them. I, I sent those out in December. People are just getting them now. I'm glad you got one. <laughs> um, uh, I loved your answer about like the whole people thing and seeing people in their craft and doing what they do best like that's such a uh unique and fun answer i think i'm guilty of this too the the natural response is like the biggest best set ever i want to see whatever this is you know um but to say hey it doesn't matter where it is as long as i'm with specific people watching what they're do they're good at and what what they care about um was a really nice answer and the minox are so creepy but i'm glad you enjoy them <laughs> john yeah, um, Kendall, it's something about you. You always just have this sort of positive disposition about you. And I think like when we we sort of bumped, just bumped into you when we were at Disneyland and, we, you know, you had your rock and your, your Star Wars jeans and stuff like that. It's just like, it's just like, cool just like running into you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of uh, your answer, first of all, uh, I'm glad you like the hat. Thanks for rocking that. That's very cool. Um, I gotta get one of those now, but, um, I like that answer too. Cause I, you know, I, I like the space slug scene, but usually like when people think about it, they think about like the guy's arm in the sock and do that thing. But you're talking about when they're actually in there and they got to pretend that they're, 
like on mm-hmm. rocky ground and stuff like that. And there's a campiness to that that is uh, that is really like I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's kind of innocent and charming. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a good pick because you're right. They're sort of on that sound stage, and there's no distracting elements. It feels very skeleton crew, and you got the Falcon there, but you got all the you know, the aside from Luke, you have like all the legacy people there. You got Peter Mayhew, you have Anthony Daniels, you have Kenny Baker, you have Harrison and Carrie. So that's a that's definitely a good pick. And I wouldn't have thought of it. So I'm glad that you picked that as opposed to like when Vader says I'm your father or something, you went outside the box there. And I, I appreciate that because it makes me then think about that scene, which I probably wouldn't have otherwise. So thanks, man. Yeah, it is a good answer. And that scene specifically always uh, like obviously family guy covered a gamut of all sorts of star Wars references. <laughs> but every time this one gets brought up, I go right to family guy with Peter shooting the ground and going, hold on wait a minute, just a second. Let's think about this. And he like, just keeps going on and on. Like he hasn't figured it out yet. Um, it's a great scene. And, uh, and you were right about Kendall's, uh, Kendall, your positive energy and stuff, because every time I see you, I just feel like you are, always head to toe decked out with it's so clear you love star wars whether it's a high republic cosplay or just like star wars branded gear he's at the star wars store he's got a star wars columbia sweatshirt which also feels slightly a part of us because we did that i have one um, too promo and sponsorship yeah Mm-hmm. and then he's, he's got always, the resistance he's broadcast the- hat i'm like yes like let people see the hat let people know you're a star wars fan that has got to be a star wars related thing it's like it's promotion for us and it gets me excited that you're out there doing that wearing that being who you are and just so supportive of star wars i love it thank you for being a spice runner yeah. i see and uh thank you yeah yeah Kendall's always looking for he's always looking for the good in Star Wars too he's always like pointing out well well I didn't really love that but that one thing like I love when you're able to do that you know yeah Mm -hmm. that's really good now we're gonna head to John John for the discussion all right discussion this week uh teased at the top you saw it in the title will Din Djarin aka Mando's legacy be uniting all Mandalorians Obi-Wan once thought as you do. Now, listen, we know the Mandalorian is coming to an end at some point. We don't know how long it will go on or what Din Djarin's fate will be. We sort of gave our guesses uh, this Thursday, but we're not focusing on that today. Um, We're focusing on his lasting legacy. And will that be uniting all the Mandalorians? Season three of The Mandalorian seems to tease that Din Djarin, wielder of the Darksaber, as the leader to a large group of Mandalorians. But when the series and Mandoverse or whatever, Mando Plus, whatever you want to call it, is all said and done, regardless of his fate, uh, will that be his legacy? Finally uniting all Mandalorians together as one people. So I think what made me think of that was that juxtaposition, like, because we talk about, like, oh, is he going to die? Is he going to live? Is he going to die? But in Star Wars, you know, uh, and life, but in Star Wars, it is it is about that legacy and what you leave behind and what people remember you for. And uh, like Luke with Vader, yeah, his father died, but he did it saving him, and his legacy was finally coming back to the light. Um, so with this, and, you know, in that last teaser trailer thing, we sort of were at least meant to believe that he's sort of doing this speech and and walking out from behind the shadows in front of this wall of Mandalorians. And it just makes me think like, 
if this all ties together and this is going to lead into Ahsoka and then Ahsoka is going to, you know, uh, tie in with skeleton crew and there's going to be all these things. And maybe this is like, you know, common enemy, like you, all these Mandalorians are fighting in, in the Mandalorian, but maybe if the bigger bad shows up that they all need to come together to defeat, that's the thing that can unite them. And maybe he's the person they unite around to do that. So I thought it'd be an interesting discussion because I haven't seen a lot of people really talking about that just yet. And we may get that uh, in this season of the Mandalorian. So I figure getting ahead of it um, and, and talking about it from a speculation standpoint, is always fun. So I don't want to pitch that to you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, James, I know, you know, you love the clone wars. There's a lot of Mandalorian lore in there. Same with rebels. Uh, so we'll start with you. Um, do, do you think this is sort of, that is going to be his legacy or do you think it, it's, it's, a part of his legacy because of his relationship with Grogu and other aspects of his life. Um, even dating back to his, you know, maybe his roots. We learn more about that, but do you, do you think this is something that could be Din Djarin's legacy is uniting uh, Mandalore or Mandalorians as one people? Um, I do. Um, I, I think that there, it could be, um, it could be something else. It could be more than just that. But I think the way that it looks right now is it seems to be um, that that is in the direction that we're heading. Um, and I, I think one thing when it comes to storytelling is um, it's sort of like it feels like every story starts off with, a, you know, like or every story that starts with like an unknown, like, oh, it's just a, it's a kid in a suburban town or whatever. It's like, why are you telling me this story? Why, why out of all the people in the world, why are you telling me this story? Because right. it's going to be great. Like mm-hmm. we're getting, we're going to get to that point where this person is relevant to a bigger picture, um, either story that we're telling you or uh, a connected piece in the cog of a, of a larger story, which is the case for star Wars. And the show has and we've we've speculated a lot about the double or triple meanings behind the term the Mandalorian. But it from the very beginning, I knew that this show was not called a Mandalorian. <laughs> it was not yeah. about a Mandalorian or the was, Mandalorians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was about the Mandalorian. There's something special about this one. Um, he does not seem special now. He's scrapping for yeah, you know this job that job just getting by nobody really seems to care respect him or care about him that much other than the fact that he's decent at what he does but in the two seasons that we've got and a little of boba fett as well it's very clear that this person has a leadership quality and qualities uh in a character that is desirable um as far as like being a good person who um will do his job by turning in Grogu, but then say something's not right about this. And despite the fact that I'm going to lose everything, I'm going to do the right thing. Like it's that quality that we like about that person. I think this person is destined to be a, you know, a John Connor type or something, someone that can lead someone that can um, set up uh, a new future for his people, uh, even though he is the uh, unlikeliest uh, by the time we by the time we meet him in season one. So I think the direction that they're heading, I mean, 
if you need any more signaling that this is the case, he has the Darksaber. And what we know about Clone Wars and Rebels and everything is that that thing basically says you are the leader, the 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 person who's going to unify all of the Mandalorians, unite them. Um, and he doesn't want that. But I, I don't know how many times we've seen another storytelling that it's the person who needs to lead is the person who doesn't think they're the right person to lead. You know, they don't want to, they don't Frodo. want that job. Yeah, yeah. You just, you it's Luke destiny yeah. has chosen you and you need to just kind of Katniss, be that person. Um, yeah. So Willow I mean, happens over and over. Yeah. yeah. We could do it over and over and over. Yeah. It's um, a fantasy trope. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh, that's my, that's my starting point is the show is called the Mandalorian, not a Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, so Lacey, where where are you at with this? I know there's a lot of avenues that can go with this. Um, do you think this is going to be the legacy of that character when it's all said and done, when the when the book closes on uh the story of Dinjarin? Yeah, I agree with James where it's that the title of the whole show is The Mandalorian, which is a very specific title for someone to be like mm-hmm. the one. Mm-hmm. Um I I think from the season three trailers and teasers we've seen so far, he is standing with a bunch of Mandalorians and he's talking about like, this is our time to come together. And like, we have to find the other Mandalorians and um, he's talking about going back to Mandalore. So I think there is a case of, he was that reluctant hero in the beginning or someone that didn't want to get involved and ultimately made the right choice and put him on the course to becoming the hero he needed to be. Um, to what the galaxy needed him to be. And I I think James was completely correct in everything he said that like it's just it's difficult to look at the name of the show and the 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 journey he's taken so far and the fact that he has the Darksaber and not think of course he's gonna unite all the Mandalorians. But that doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. That's the thing here. It's like yes, he, that will be the end game for this character. Um, but I don't think it's going to be easy for him because clearly all these Mandalorians think differently from, you know, Children of the Watch to Bo-Katan to all these other ones. You know, we see this whole group of Mandalorians attacking uh, Navarro and like basically leveling it in the teasers. So that's something that I don't think his crew would do because they were the ones that were like living underneath Navarro at some point. <laughs> like... Yeah. I don't think they'd destroy their home, although they did destroy it in the sense of protecting their own kind with the Mandalorian mm-hmm. in that first season in episode three. But I don't know. It just seemed like he's got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work ahead of him to unite everybody. But I think that's the ultimate goal here because you have him taking on this like somewhat religion or view of what he should be a part of knowing that their whole world and everything they had known before that point had been destroyed. His world had been destroyed. Mandalore had been destroyed. So he's basically a part of this one subsect of the Mandalorians. And now he's got to say, okay, I'm a part of this group and we don't take our helmets off, but like we should all work together. Well, the people that do take their helmets off are going to be like, why would I ever listen to someone that doesn't even take their helmet off? So it's going to yeah. be very, very difficult. And I think this season is going to touch a lot of that season three of the challenges of being with being around people with different viewpoints. And I think that's a very interesting 
kind of reflection of the world we live in now. I think Star Wars is once again reflecting to us like not everyone has the same view. Not everyone like will get along perfectly, but that doesn't mean you can't work together for a common good of taking down the empire, you know, Mm -hmm, the common good of saving what you all stand for at the end of the day. Um, But yeah, I, I think ultimately he will unite all the Mandalorians. And I think we're getting a glimpse of that in season three and it's only going to be bigger because he's kind of collecting friends as he goes along. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, I forget what movie I heard this in. It actually might've been, believe it or not, an episode of scrubs. Uh, I think it was a line where Kelso says to JD says nothing worth having comes easy. And I think that's that whole aspect of it is like, you know, getting people to unite, uh, is in a, almost an impossible task and the only way like i always felt like if we ever had world peace on earth it would be if there was an alien invasion like people would finally be like we you all mean like gotta, in the like... movies no like in one specific movie watchmen oh, i was yeah. gonna say independence day <laughs> no oh, i don't watchmen. know if people like yeah i don't i don't know but like you need a common enemy and i think mm-hmm. that's one thing that could bring the people together but as far as like mando goes yeah i agree that it's the the humble beginnings is is like you want to see that because nobody wants to see this the silver spoon fed kid who had everything then also be the leader like nobody like it's not a likable character you want the underdog that you can root for and that's exactly who this guy is like when we met him he had like the crappy armor like this piecemeal armor he didn't really have the all the best scar and as he's growing as a character he's also growing as uh, a mandalorian in proper fashion but he also is sort of like Grogu and that's why they connect so well is because he's just trying to like find belonging and he was this sort of rescued orphan. So he's like, all right, you guys rescued me. So now I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, uh, bid my allegiance to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be this, you know, what other people are calling a crazy cult. I only saw this as the way, whereas you leave your helmet on, you don't take your helmet off. Then he meets Bo-Katan. She's like, that's crazy. This is what you do. And then he ends up, you know, taking his helmet off. To, to say goodbye to Grogu, even though he knew he's not supposed to do that. Um, so it feels like he's just trying to figure out how to belong and what to do. And then, you know, he comes back and book of Boba Fett and he's like, how do I repent? How do I come back to you guys again? What, Which I'm still know? sort of confused. It felt like Mandalorian season two. It was like, now he's really starting to lean away from that whole commitment to that. So I think calling. it's and yeah. Boba Fett was like, nope, right back in on that calling. Yeah, <laughs> I know. My trailers for season three, right back in to go. To but I think we've seen that in other places, yeah. obviously, with Luke and Leia going back to what they know best. And then you have Ray and Kylo at the beginning of the Rise of Skywalker going back to what they do. So it's like kind of that trauma aspect of a character being like, I'm going to go back to what I know because I don't know how to deal with this, which is him yeah. being away from Grogu. And I think the importance of him having this sort of legacy beyond the obvious which is it's his show he's the star it's the biggest show for star wars right now is you know grogu is gonna go on you know no matter what happens to the mandalorian whether he dies in a rocking chair at 80 or if he dies in a blaze of glory for the cause for for mandalore uh or to protect grogu we're gonna see grogu in future stories and it's going to twist our mind up and really make star wars feel real when we see grogu talking to ray about din Djarin who Ray has no idea who this guy is and it's going to like kick us in the chest right in the heart when we hear Grogu speaking whether it's through his own language or it's basic or whatever 
talking about the legend of Din Djarin and what he did for the galaxy. And like picture a scene where it's like Ray, who we know in her story and Grogu with her talking about this whole other thing that happened over here that we all experienced. It's going to be pretty mind bending. And I think yeah. it's so or important for Grogu talking to Luke, you know, about in, yeah. in Mandalorian or that for was super... a book about that, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's and like, for, oh my gosh, like the, the the just her referencing exactly. like all this stuff that we've experienced. Yeah, like it's gonna be good for Disney and the business sense for Grogu to go on because everyone loves Grogu, and I think, um, but I, I really do think Grogu is gonna be a big valuable uh, arc for, for for his character coming. How up old is Din Djarin? Uh, he's younger than Grogu. Uh, he's younger than Grogu. I don't know that we have a thing, so you just kind of, I, I assume it's got to be close to what Pedro Pascal is, so I would say 40s? 40s? Yeah. I'm just curious born... if he's like Han Solo's age, which would put it him says... at a certain age there, which then around sequel trilogy would put him at Han's age. I Because I know, John, you, you're determined that Din Djarin's going to die. So you were just I'm talking not... about him being dead and Grogu talking with Rey and telling him her about well, jar. that would be yeah. So it Wikipedia has him born before 19 BBY. I was gonna, so. Oh well, no, it would have to be even further before that though, because when we saw when he was a kid, he was in the Clone Wars to some degree, right? Because there were battle droids and stuff. Yes. So yeah, I mean, without question. But they're saying like our marker is you know he's it's definitely before you know, 19 BBY. So before Revenge of the Sith, before Order 66. So he was around like when all that was happening, but he was, you know, however old it, it's, it's indetermined. Um, so, I mean, if Wikipedia doesn't have it, then I doubt it's been established and maybe they're waiting to reveal that. But I'm just saying by the time you, you add 30 years to the time we're seeing him now, you know, he would be older. He'd be in his seventies or something like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, an older person, he could be alive maybe. Um, but I'm just saying I for the sake Han of Solo's age seems right. That's what I'm yeah. saying is because Han Solo was like 70 in TFA. Yeah. Yeah. So and if I they jump like... ahead 10 years, then they'd be 80. So like, I don't think he's gonna be flying around on jetpacks at 80 years old, you know? So no, whether he, he lives or dies or whatever chip. Yeah. I think, I think that's, you know, important for like the story of Din Djarin to be something that could be told as an inspiration to future uh, not just future Mandalorians or, or just for the the people of Mandalore or that who ident identify as part of the group of Mandalorians, but just anyone fighting the cause in, in the Star Wars galaxy. Um, so um, I, I think there's value there that uh, we haven't seen yet. And we'll see once, the, you know, those stories start kicking around. One thing to get a little bit more focused on the like the the uniting the Mandalorian aspect of this discussion is that Lacey, uh, you pointed out earlier that it's not going to be easy and you're absolutely right for one specific reason. Like right now, if you look back at like the Clone Wars, the Mandalorians were very unified under one idea. And right now they are split. They're all like, well, Mandalore needs to be this. Mandalore needs to be that. Right. right. Um, that's going to be difficult to try to get everybody to kind of follow under one banner or one idea. But it's probably easier now than it would be if you had Din Djarin in like that Clone Wars era of just being a foundling in the Mandalorian world. 
there's sure. politicians, there's uh, things that have been uh, like, I don't want to legacy is not the right word, but like um, <laughs> process, you know, they've been doing this for a long time, um, that kind of stuff. And I feel like it's, it's more likely that if somebody's going to come along and make change, it's going to be uh, like a character who has already some sort of like Royal tie or something like, um, like uh, Lux, uh, Bentari or something, you know what I mean? A character who has some sort of uh, royalty tie or political tie or something like that. They're going to be the people who make change that kind of like in America right now, like you kind of would have to be a politician to, to work your way up and it would be really hard to make a big difference in America. But in but fantasy it, stories, it's always the person that's like the poor person with no well, background with nothing. Sure. But what I'm saying right now is the, the structure of Mandalore is wiped out sure. like arguably yeah. some of the more prominent structures that are around are just like children of the watch like a small little group of people and uh you're looking at, at um at bo -Katan, who has just like her two people it's not like she's leading a group of right. a, a town or something an army um, and there's some sort of like governmental structure to that system right now is the perfect time for any mandalorian who wants to devote themselves to that that race or that uh collection of people to say guys you, 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 and you, all these like for, for, to relate it to Star Wars, all these rebel cells, let's become an alliance, like all of us together. You're mm -hmm. doing it one way, you're doing it one way, you're doing it one way. Why don't we just get a leader to set us up and become this bigger thing? Will Din Djarin be like the Mon Mothma of the Mandalorians? Um, right. Yeah, it's possible, you know, uh, because right now is the perfect time for him to step in and be that person that can say, you guys are you you guys are you you guys are you but we are mandalorians and everybody just goes yeah you're right you know and then like right. he can start writing the new code and the new process from that point on or people just maybe he doesn't even write anything maybe people just go like <clears throat> i'm with him i'm gonna do what he does you know it's yeah. not you know somebody else writes the code and and all that i mean but... he has the dark saber so it kind of puts him a step above other, everybody else yeah, I mean he's he's fallen into that, um, but but I I, th I think that's the biggest thing is right now that the the system that would be hard to break uh, has already been broken. Uh, yeah, and we well and they're telling that story of what and why it's important. Uh, the night of a thousand, whatever years. What was it? What was it, John? Night, night of a thousand tears. Tears. Yeah, Night of a Thousand Tears. They showed us that. They've referenced it a few times. Right. They're bringing in Bo-Katan and how her whole... She's sitting in a throne that's been collapsed. The system's collapsed. He has the opportunity to bring it together. And I think that's the reason why we're well, watching the show. And it makes me... Th you know, we we talked about this as a real possibility of, you know, him destroying the Darksaber. And that could be like a right. final or one of the final moves to unite mandalorians because then it's no longer like who possesses the excalibur to be automatically deemed our leader according to old lore you know you look at like the history of it which is you know pre vizsla having it and then getting killed by maul you know getting beheaded by maul and then you have bo -Katan, who's clearly obsessed with it and she thinks she should have it and i think that type of stuff the greed that can come into play 
like like in a lot of like you know uh greek tragedies or shakespearean tragedies you know you take away that element that's another thing that you can cross off as a way to um get an easier path to uniting a people so it would not shock me if we saw that thing get destroyed or whatever in in this effort um mm-hmm. it might it might really piss off a lot of fans uh but if it if it's meaningful for that story i don't i think it's good because you have civilizations through time and empires and and whatever you want to call it uh they rise and they fall and that's what happened with mandalore and we're not, we haven't even introduced the aspect of you know sabine coming into this story and you know uh her history uh clan wren and i read up that she was part of clan Vizla when she was young or something like that and it's, it's very hard to wrap my head around that stuff mm-hmm. but uh i i think the, them putting that in his possession when he didn't want it you know we've seen that too in a lot of stories like game of thrones you know Jon snow he didn't want to be king but they're like yeah. well you have to be because it's your birthright and it's like it's that unlikely hero and again, didn't want to be the chosen one either yeah you you don't it's yeah that it's 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 that hero's journey trope where you don't you can't tell a good story if you have you know the joffreys of the world being the leaders you know for game of thrones fans like the the silver spoon kid who didn't earn his way or didn't go through hardships you know the part of this these stories that we all like so much is because we all have these hardships we go through and sometimes we all feel like nobodies and it makes us feel like we want to we want to like attach ourselves to that person. Like that's our person because we, that's us, you know, we can, we can be that hero, you know, when you're a kid, especially in your impressionable and you watch those stories and that's who Din Djarin is. You know, he was James, like you said, just this like, bounty hunter. He was just like, like Boba Fett was, he just doing didn't these buy. jobs for money and he had crappy armor and he didn't really know what he was doing. And he didn't really like he would check it. Like he would walk down that hallway uh to, to children of the watch wherever he was and they're all like looking at him and he's it's like he was like a guy a construction worker punching his time card and going home and now all of a sudden all these things are happening and it's like this little kid uh made him believe and the, there was that turning point in that third episode where he, something like it's like the with the force awakens like something awakened in him to to make him uh want to believe and care about something and him caring about grogu opened that up to all these other possibilities where he was sort of just the selfish loner. And now he had something to live for and something to fight for. And whether it's for all of Mandalore at first or not, it, it clearly was Grogu who made him want to get into this fight and, and go beyond the, the selfish journey that he's on. And um, I, I think seeing it's going to be weird, see, like how they're going to pull it off on a TV show, seeing like all these different factions of Mandalorians coming together and stuff and how they're going to incorporate the planet of Mandalore and what that looks like and all that stuff very interesting but the other question i have i guess is how long does the show go like what is this does this season because ahsoka's next and if we're getting thrawn do we think thrawn's going to be that villain that uh unites mandalorians you know uh is this the season that he gets introduced and then ahsoka happens and then whatever happens in ahsoka do we get a one final season of the mandalorian like i i can't see them going beyond five so I don't I don't know. I think a four might be it. It's hard to it's hard to say. It's four or five for me. Yeah. I think we're getting a Mando movie. I stick by that. Could. Could. Hmm. That would Lacey, be what, that would definitely be interesting. What are you what are your thoughts on the, the destruction of the Darksaber thing? 
Um, I think it definitely has to happen because it seems like it's like this this thing that's kind of hanging over everybody's head, uh, pun yeah. intended, yep. <laughs> where you just like, you know, it's always about like, oh, who has it? I want it. Who's going to have it next? How long am I going to need to have it? And you have this character, the Mandalorian, who doesn't even want it. He's like, I don't I don't want this. And you but can't give it up. Yeah, you can't give it up. So the whole thing is like, it reminds me very much of like Frodo, who didn't really ask to be given the ring or to take on that challenge, but like he was the person that had to do it. And the Mandalorian is that person. And he didn't start off being probably the perfect choice, but he's grown to become that choice. And like I said, like he's been picking up these friends along the way and been finding his like found family, which we love so much in Star Wars. Um, and when John was talking earlier about that episode three, I just thought of the clip where uh, he's sitting there talking to the client and they kind of wheel Grogu away or float him away with the, and Grogu turns to him and just <laughs> yells and goes like, eh, like, and they like take him away. Remember how sad I was. Um, but yeah, it, there's just something so interesting about a weapon like that, that someone doesn't know how to use it, doesn't really want it doesn't understand the power that it has not just the power itself but like the power of lore um i think it's got to be destroyed at some point um but the question is will he destroy it before he unites everybody and defeats the enemy or will it be after yeah so like will that be the thing that's like once the battle's done he's like okay i'm gonna get rid of this now it can't be destroyed by unwillingly the, the, like one of the Mandalorians, whoever has possession of it has to be the one to destroy it or it's for not, you know, it has to be, we want this yeah, to yeah. end. Like mm-hmm. Thrawn can't get it like destroyed. Somehow. No, no. That wouldn't work. It has to be. Them. So I, I do have this kind of pictured in my head, like some sort of thing where he does destroy it to, to bring everybody together. Sort of like a, um, like, uh, like it's a big moment in Endgame when cap gets the hammer. Right. But, Later in the movie, the bigger moment is when Cap is alone and he, and everybody like unites behind him, kind of thing. So it's like, oh, I, could... I was gonna say like Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls when she breaks up the Tierra that everybody <laughs> wanted so. Bad. Oh my god! But a similar similar uh, meaning there. But I but I'm picture him saying like, um, this makes me movie. strong, or does this make me strong? You know, kind of thing. And then he like chucks it into the lava or something, and he says. Uh, it, but but all of you or all of these people make us strong, and, and then you right, see them come right. up over the mountain or some, you know, some bigger thing that it's like yet this thing you know is supposed to symbolize something, but it doesn't. It it only works for an individual, and Mandalorians don't work as individuals. We work as a group, and you know you see all the hero moments or something. Right. But it does make me wonder. He didn't want it when he got it, but right. are, are we going to see? Dinjarin carry the dark saber through the rest of the series, you know, and and have that storyline where he like earns it or understands it more, or are we going to have season three be sort of an Empire Strikes Back where he loses it and loses a fight and it ends in a dark note, and then season four or five or whatever is about him being like, no, I'm getting that thing back, and right. he he earns it back, leading to him understanding the meaning behind it and, mm-hmm. and unifying people through that method. Which one do you guys think? I, I feel like it needs closure. I, I feel like because it's Tar Vizsla created the dark saber and 
we still have Vizlas around, like Paz Vizla, I think is the guy mm-hmm. Favreau plays now. Yep. Uh, and he's like, it's my family's birthright. Like, if you keep that thing around, I think it's <clears throat> it's going to keep causing those types of problems. Like, it'll be decades later, and there'll be Mandalorians saying, like, well, that should be my family's now. And there's always going to be that greed element. It's like human nature to want things, you know, and to survive. And to survive, you need power. And it's like... It's sort of like the dark side. The dark saber is sort of like the temptations of the dark side in a way, except it's an object uh, and a symbol. Um, so I, I think it has to be destroyed. I think it'll be a monumental moment um, and it could really hit home and be a powerful live action moment in Star Wars. It has to be done in live action, no doubt. Um, so I think I feel like it has to be done. Um, I, I don't know that a lot of other people are talking about it. Maybe other people, it seems like an obvious thing for people. I know we've been talking about it for a little while. Um, but there's going to be a turning point besides the dark saber, because you think about his interactions with all these other people like, um, the armorer and Paz Vizla and even Bo-Katan where he feels like the rookie in town. And he's like asking, like they're telling him how to be a Mandalorian and stuff like that. And there's going to be that turning point in this show where there it's this season or fourth season, whatever, where they're all going to turn to him. Like, what do we do? And that's going to be the moment where it's like, dark saber or not this guy's our leader because he's a leader and he doesn't mm-hmm. need the damn dark saber to do it yeah i agree with that like they all turn to him and he pulls the c3po where then he turns around he turns around <laughs> and Grogu's like don't look at me man i just started yeah. talking again and then yeah. c3po's there and he turns around yeah. <laughs> just con- and then rays all the rays are turning oh yeah <laughs> all 10 rays yeah now that speak to round it out that was a really good cosplay i saw at new york comic-con there was a guy who dressed with up all, as the all the rays yeah yeah, those were yeah. um so i think i think all that's a good ra- all a, of the rays do you, unless you guys have anything else i know we're up on time so uh we can obviously continue this after season, season three, three to see, yeah. see what it means so i think this is you know we say that a lot and we do revisit a lot of these discussions but i think this is one that we can well should and should revisit uh after seeing well, my, my quick thing is, is I don't feel like you guys answered the question of, do you think that season three is an Empire Strikes Back where he, like, say, oh. either loses the Darth Saber no. and has to gain it back? No. Or do you think it, do you, or in general, do you think that this season, there's any potential that it ends on a bad note so that we get season four and it's, a, it's another rise? Because so far, the last two seasons have ended positively. I think Favreau's going to continue to end it positively. I think season three ends as a cliffhanger to Ahsoka. All right. I think Sabine will show up. Yep. I do too. Yeah. I think Saboka. I don't think Saboka. that's the end of Saboka. the season. Though. I still Ahsoka feel like Sabine. <laughs> Saboka. Um... <laughs> I just made a ship. I didn't even mean to. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I wish I knew Hatties because I want to do the uh, the Anakin line where it's Ikunababa Saboka. Like whatever he says to Saboba. Um, but anyway. Chippachawa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that Sabine and, and all of the Ahsoka setup is a mid season thing. I think that's. I think that their wink to Mandalorian is not, it's always not the season finale. Season finale is about the Mandalorian. It's going to be the five. episode that comes out during celebration, man. Episode five, <laughs> episode four. Those are your yeah. like your, your teasers and your setups and stuff. Yeah. Mm. Your, your Dave Filoni. Your Filoni's. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, cool, cool, cool. I think this is a good discussion. Has Filoni um, done five in both seasons? I think he has. Yes. So it's the yes. Filoni five. Yeah. And what date was the that last five was the bad five? That was the or the first five, I mean, was the one that set up um or what with the kid who was not No, it was um that's it was, Gunslingers episode five, right? Yes, but it's set up for a book of Boba Fett and it's set up um Oh, that's fair. The Fennec, Fennec Shand. Shand. Which again, I said she was alive. <laughs> the sixth episode of season three will come out the Wednesday when we get to celebration. So it'll be well. What knows? is what'll... the bet that Filoni's doing the fifth episode? Is it already released? It's not released. No, they just said who's doing them, but not who's doing what. Anyway, this was yeah. a good chat. Yeah, let us know what you think in the comments. Uh, hit us up uh, if you're a patron. You know, we'll see you in Discord and we'll talk all about it. Love doing that with all of you there. Um, we're gonna obviously have the uh, Mandalorian specific spoiler channel back up and running for this particular season. Uh, and we're excited to talk to all of you there. And anyone who's listening and watching and part of TRB, uh, let us know in the comments on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, like the video, and or Twitter or anywhere on social media, TRB Podcasts. Uh, hit us up there. Let us know what you think of this discussion. And do you think we're even right? Do you think that this is going to be Din Djarin's legacy to unite all Mandalorians or do you think there's something else um, so uh, we enjoyed that and we hope you did too um, so that takes us to the end of the show so as we said before make sure you're subbed make sure you share make sure you spread the word about our pod and we appreciate that so 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 much uh, and get ready for Thursday because we're going to have our 600th episode of TRB I imagine it's going to be longer than your typical episode because we're going to get reflective and sentimental but also talk about the latest Star Wars news and all that good stuff. Uh, but until then, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey. And uh, I also have a movie podcast where I talk about non-Star Wars movies called Just Like the Movies, available on all your favorite podcast apps. And we're putting out an episode on Roadhouse tomorrow. Let's check that out. Lacey. People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin and on TikTok at It's TikTok. Lacey Gillerin. And also, I've been working on a little side thing soon, so stay tuned. It's another podcast, Ooh. but it has nothing to do with Star Wars, um, <laughs> but it should be fun. Exciting. I don't even know what it is. This is a big reveal. Is it? I don't know. Uh, you haven't told me about it. Sort of. I've mentioned it. Yeah, she's mentioned it, I think. Um, uh, James, what about the Cincinnati Football Club podcast? Uh. <laughs> Yes, F football club <laughs> Cincinnati. Um, no, the 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 Apple subscription went live and everything. So I'm I'm signed up. I'm ready. I'm getting excited. Season starts the 28th, and uh, yeah, that's a good. But you know, if when, you guys want to talk about that or Star Wars or anything else, at Meyer Trunks on Twitter and Instagram. You know, when people on Twitter and social media make the joke like, "Oh, I'm gonna make this my whole personality," like James really said, like, "I'm gonna make this my whole personality. the whole thing." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's just that you I know am when you football now. <laughs> yeah, oh, when you want Spanish to uh, football, soccer yeah. now. <laughs> when you want to get into something, you got to get into something. I did it with Star Wars. I did it with. I music. appreciate that a hundred percent. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Just uh, do they get mad at people in London if you call it soccer? Do you have to call it footy? 
So that was sort of a uh, the running joke for the World Cup this year is they had, um, I think, Peyton Manning and uh, David Beckham. And they were going back and forth uh, of it's called soccer. Football. It's called yeah. football. And they were arguing back and forth. And it was like an ongoing set of commercials and promotion for the World Cup. They were the two like spokespeople for it. But that was the joke. Yeah. It doesn't make sense why we call our football football and we call our football soccer. But mm-hmm. that's what we do here in America. All right, guys. Uh, we will see you Thursday for TRB 600. Very excited. So we hope everyone has a wonderful week. And we will see you, as always, next time right here on TRB. See you around, kids.